0: This is episode one hundred and nine of the Two Hundred Churches podcast.
1: No one local church can do every ministry. That's a fact. No, no one ever disagrees with that. So, if no one local church can do every ministry there is, that means the next good question is: Should we be random or intentional about the ones we actually do? Well, yeah. everything I think we should be intentional.
0: Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast, where every Wednesday we produce a fresh episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. Now, here are two guys who, like you, serve in the trenches of small church ministry the SpongeBob and Patrick of ministry podcasts, Jeff and Johnny.
2: This is the 200 Churches Podcast. I'm Johnny Craig SquarePants, and we're live in a pineapple under the sea. Well, Patrick
0: Katie, Patrick goes with my last name, (laughs) Irish. Although I don't really like the way... I don't like Patrick's shape. Well... But but how many small church pastors would even know what Patrick's shape was? What do you mean, well? Well? (laughs) What
2: do you mean, well?
0: (laughs) You're a sicko. Don't even listen to him. I just... I love it. If you would like to apply to be Johnny's replacement...
2: Like just send it to replace John. Angela churches. I blame Angela. She gives it. You know, Angela says it, and then I just go with it. Okay, all right, Spongehead, sponge you're the Spongehead then. <laughs> I love it, Jeff. I love it, Jeff. Today we got to do something uh, that is a lot of fun for us, and and I, you know, and I feel bad. And we're talking to small church pastors, and so. You know, we bring this up because I would encourage them to get something like this in their own life. But we got to go to our, you know, little gathering of pastors from our district. So it's our denomination. And, uh, you know, we get together, we go to a a restaurant, and we just get to talk. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, it's always a blessing to me. Well, it was us two and, and just four others. Yeah. Right? Four others. And that may
0: seem really little, but with six of us around the table for a couple hours at lunch. Pastors who are not normally in the same town well we're ne- never in the same town together, right, just to have that fellowship, that time to just talk and share, be open, be honest,
2: complain about our church members, <laughs> admit <laughs> never, our failures never you know yeah it was it was really good it was a It was an interesting time because I think sometimes as pastors, we can feel so isolated, and our church you know environment and our church situation is like the church situation. So, you know, last week, Jeff, we talked about church health on the podcast, and to sit with those guys, it, it just became apparent that every church needs to, once in a while, go and get a checkup, you know, if I can use the metaphor, yeah. that we need to look at our church health. And and those guys are great leaders, great pastors, um, but every church needs to get a checkup once in a while. Well, and one of the churches represented, you know, the pastor was talking to us about, about
0: uh, board members yeah. that just... Walked in, put a letter on the pastor's desk, turned around, and walked out. Yeah, but, and would not talk about anything, and it was over. the The, the person walked out. In, in last week, what did we say it was at the foundation? Right, the foundation of the pyramid is love. love exactly, and no bylaw, no church uh, ordinance. I mean, nothing. Nothing takes precedent no. over loving relationships. That's exactly right. And I think that's what we experience as pastors right. when we go into that small group of pastors we experience loving relationships and acceptance with our fellow pastors.
2: Absolutely. So, you know, this this church health thing is just we're going to come back to it over and over and over again, I think. Because because if your church, you know, isn't healthy, then you're just limited. You're just, there's always a governor on you at, at how far you can go. And so we're probably going to return to this idea over and over and over again about this foundation of love and how we have relationships and service and the whole deal because it's important. And because church health, if we're going to be churches that are growing, not just numerically, right, but spiritually in depth and all that kind of stuff, we have to have healthy churches. There has to be a healthy environment.
0: Today, as we talked to Dan Ryland, now for the first time since November. The Enforcer. Dan, the Enforcer, man. Great yes. to have him back. It was so good to talk to him. When we talk to him, we get into a little uh, a little tiff about this thing with relationships versus yeah. evangelism.
2: That was a really interesting point in the conversation that... that I was struggling with, and I think I understand now at the end of it, you know what was happening, but well, I would encourage our listeners to listen yeah. critically,
0: yeah, but also listen completely, yeah, because our, it's it's yes and yes, we need relationships, loving relationships, we need evangelism, but both of them can work against the other if we don't either view them or execute them properly,
2: right, so that's you know. Dan comes on, and and today, you know, the whole topic of conversation, the whole idea is why smaller churches don't grow. Dun, dun, dun. This is the encouragement podcast. Yeah, this is a podcast where half of our (laughs) listeners walk away. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. We wouldn't put this out there if it was was bad. But, you know, when we say grow here, we talk, obviously, numbers, cool, but we, we mean other things, too. And so that church health is so important to be a growing church, a church that's growing in love, growing in service, growing in all of these different areas. You know, church health is important. And I think Dan agrees with that, you know, completely. And a lot of what he talks about is questions that get to, you know, how healthy are you? What, what is it actually looking like, what's coming out of your church?
0: And for those of you who are new listeners, Dan Ryland is the executive pastor at 12 Stone Church yes. in Lawrenceville, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. Dan has been there, I think, for about thirteen years, serving as executive pastor in a church that is now i I want to say I, I could be wrong, they just launched five new campuses in January, yeah, and so I think there are around nine campuses right now, um, uh, probably running around total around seventeen thousand attenders and so dan 's in a mega church, uh, but he is. He's leading all of the staff and all of the pastors.
2: Dan is a leadership guru. We've done we we did a series of five podcasts about his book, Amplified Leadership. Right. He was John Maxwell's right hand man, or as I like to say, the brains behind the operation. Oh, absolutely, for twenty years. So I mean this guy is just you know, don't don't think, oh, mega church pastor, why is he talking to small church pastors? Well, because leadership, you know, leadership doesn't know size. And Dan is just like, he knows leadership up, down, back, forth. Uh, and it's, so, it's just phenomenal every time we get to talk to him. So let's
0: go ahead and listen to our conversation uh, just the other day with Dan Ryland. We're back with Dan Ryland. Dan has been a few months, but we're so glad to have you back with 200 Churches.
1: Glad to have you back, Dan. It's my pleasure. Uh, it has been a little while. We've gone through the holidays and the super bowl for good or bad and uh yeah, here we right. are here we are yeah i know it's just a few weeks ago but it's already ancient history
0: johnny why don't you tell them about your experience with the super bowl
2: oh yeah make me relive this i tell you what dan i don't like either of these teams at all it was miserable to watch these two teams you loved it yeah right i'm a long-suffering cincinnati Bengals fan Dan, so watching this was like getting getting tortured. I think
1: I'm so sorry, Johnny, but you know what? There's always next year. And hey, let me encourage you. I was rooting for the Chargers. <laughs> well, I feel your pain. Well, my, that's how out of it I am. But my hometown team, San Diego. I never give up.
0: <laughs> well, I think you better give up on the Chargers, but uh, there's always next year. Always next
1: year. Always next year. Well, hey, last
0: fall we talked, and we were gonna we were gonna cover this blog post that you did in March of 2010, called Why Smaller Churches Don't Grow. And Dan, we were going to deal with this last year, and we never got to it, and we were thinking that this could provide a great fight between us, a great rift between your guest appearances on the show and possibly maybe no more
2: it only takes us a little while before we alienate our guests dan so your time has come
1: hey why should jerry springer have all the fun <laughs> I, know, let's, I think we should go for it <laughs> okay
0: well i'm looking at this i think though i think i might be able to def- just diffuse the whole thing right out of the gate and then there won't be even be any excitement but as i'm looking at the title why smaller churches don't grow if you just took the smaller out wouldn't it be the same thing?
1: You know, in some of these uh, issues absolutely. It's it's why larger churches don't grow as well, but there there are some you know some some important nuanced differences that that while these apply to larger churches as well, it it does change a little bit. So today we're going to focus on how that applies to the smaller church.
0: Oh man, and here I thought I could have gotten you to recant. <laughs>
1: You're libel and slander on yeah, right. small churches. Well, no, you know I love small churches. <laughs> you are trying to let's just fight now. Okay?
0: Well, typical fat oh, cat no. large church pastor beating oh. on the little guys. Yeah, Dan, we know how it is. We know how it is. We're used to it. We just keep beating oh. us. We're used to it. it feels yeah, good. I,
1: well, one, one more trip to the altar. Come on, we all need it. That's right.
0: Well, uh, as as we look at this, you ask the question: Why is it that so many smaller churches are not growing? You said it often doesn't have anything to do with the spirituality of the leaders in that church, and and, and so talk about that just for a second.
1: You, you know, uh, Jeff, that's that's dead on. It, it, it really has anything to do with how much the pastor or the key leaders love God. I mean, they they they, they love God as much as anybody, if not more, and and. Uh, their faith is great. Their prayer life is, you know, that and, and, you know, further, it has very little to do with whether or not the church is part of a denomination. Even um, I, I think I think we, we could even say that location isn't even a, a deal killer when it comes to why some smaller churches don't grow. Uh, for example, you know, your, your church could be a church could be located in a in a small rural area. Mm hmm. And and that would have a definite impact on the rate of growth and overall growth potential of a congregation. But here's here's the important point. It doesn't prevent it from growing. Right. And we know this from smaller churches and little towns that are doing really well.
0: Exactly. Yeah, but and I think that's good though to talk about the impact in the rate of growth and growth potential because the area that we live in definitely determines uh, growth potential because obviously you only got so many people. Well, How many you have? That's you can't, right. You can't create more.
2: Dan, right at the beginning of of this this article, this blog that you wrote, you talked about. You know, there's there's these big three things uh, that you wanted to get to first, right? You even say before I get into why smaller churches aren't growing, I want to mention something. Uh, you know, these big three things, Dan. What are those big three things?
1: Uh, thanks, Johnny. That, that's a, a great question. Uh, and, uh, it's it really so big, we could we could almost do a whole episode on it, but I want to at least mention that the big three, the big three drivers or engines for any church, and this is where I would go back to talking earlier with, with Jeff as he opened, um, this does apply to large churches, mid-sized churches, any size church. The big three are prayer, evangelism, and leadership development. Hmm. Uh, those three uh, are at the epicenter of every thriving church, every growing church, and and uh, we probably won't have time to sort of break out today what that means in depth. But I, but we're talking about authentic prayer, not just a prayer meeting, evangelism as a lifestyle, not a program, and leadership development that's in the culture. Those three things are are so key. And here's the thing that 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 gets to me sometimes as a, somebody who, as a guy who loves the church, is when I go and, and, and consult or talk or coach with a pastor on the phone, these three things I find the least evidence of. So mm-hmm. I wanted to at least mention it today.
0: Okay, so you find the least evidence of, in other words, you think a lot of pastors kind of overlook these three.
1: I do. And I'm not suggesting they overlook their own prayer life. I'm saying prayer as part of the ministry of the church. Yeah. Okay.
0: And I like what you said about evangelism because it goes right to what Johnny and I just talked about last week as we laid out what we consider uh, a healthy church, what a healthy church look like looks like. And we talked about outreach as as not a separate program, but as part of the love that permeates everything that's going on in a church. Uh, not the least of which would be relationships, serving, and worship. And uh, those things, as love as love permeates those relationships, you end up with evangelism. Uh, and so I appreciate you saying that's not just a program, but it's really the heart of the church as well. Now, you have five questions that you say that we should ask about why our church isn't growing. And you said that they're meant to serve as a tool for evaluation that, that might help us to implement uh, and ultimately change something in our church so that we can produce growth? And I like that because these questions aren't accusatory or critical, but rather as small church pastors, we should look at them as possibly being helpful. So so let's start with number one, and you just ask the question and give some comment on that.
1: Sure. The first question is, has friendship outpaced focus? And And, you know, we all know and love the fact that that a smaller church environment has what, what makes it so attractive is the fellowship and the friendship and the relationships and people love and care for each other. And they want to be around each other. And a, a cup of coffee is quick and and people know each other's names. And that's fantastic. Uh, large churches, you know, lose that sometimes and, and have to fight to regain it in different ways. So we don't ever want to say that's not important, but it's, but, because, but in that sort of mix, it's easy for a smaller church to turn inward and invest most of its or a lot of its ministry energy into itself. And, and what happens is in time that begins to, to shape how decisions are made or, or how money is spent or ultimately uh, what the church does and doesn't do in order to reach people. And, and so it's, just, it's, a, it's a big question, a big caution that we want to put on the table to start with here.
2: Dan, we we talk so often in our church, and I and I think probably a lot of our listeners talk about this a lot as well, is that relationships are so vitally important, right? That we need to be in relationships with each other and also in relationships with people outside of the church. And that's, you know, that's such a key component of the Christian life. So how do you make the switch now with people? And say, relationships are so important, relationships are great, but you, you also have to focus on evangelism. How do we, how do we talk to people about uh, you know, relationships, but not a, to the detriment of sharing the gospel?
1: Johnny, that's a brilliant question, and I think most, most of us pastors wrestle with that, regardless of the size of the church, but maybe sometimes a little more in the smaller environment. Uh, we wrestle with it because we love people, we care about people. But but sometimes that that lends itself to uh, investing more time and energy in the relationship itself. And sometimes a very subtle shift like this, caring about a caring about the person's soul more than their social circle or caring more about their spiritual maturity than than being good buddies. Um, Obviously, leadership requires us to be genuine and authentic and paying attention to relationships. But here's the point: that the Great Commission isn't about making friends; it's about making disciples. And so, while smart leaders understand and enjoy and have to lean into relationship, that's not actually the goal of the church. It's to me, um, uh, Johnny, and, and, and Jeff, to me, wonderful friendships, which I have, I'm so blessed with many, right, yeah. many, many, many. Like I'm sure you are. Those friendships are a blessing. Sure. Not the goal.
2: Yeah, that's a, I think that's a hard thing though. Um, you know, just in, in thinking about friendships and, you know, do we have ulterior motives? And, and what I don't want, what I guess what I don't want anybody to hear is that we, you know, your friendships are all just a veneer so that you can get into evangelism with people. I don't know that that's necessarily what you're saying, Dan, but it's scary, I think, to hear because we put so much stock into relationships. It's almost a little bit scary to hear you say, well, relationships aren't the goal.
0: Dan, this is what I often will say. Uh, I I'll, I will say, Don't hear what I'm not saying. And so when I look at your statement here uh, in this particular blog post, you you actually said, quote, a focus on friendship and relationships in general can take your leadership eyes off the goal. Now, I look at that kind of a statement, and I say, I'm not going to hear what you're not saying. You're not saying that friendship and relationships are somehow minimal or, or, or are just a means to an end to grow your church. But what you are saying, and I think it's good for us as small church pastors to hear this, is that friendships and relationships are a means to building disciples and advancing the kingdom of God, but they aren't an end in themselves, I don't think, until we get into the kingdom and there is no more kingdom building to do.
1: I agree. I, I agree. and I mean, obviously, there's, there's a spiritual connectivity, and the gospel is based on love, and we care about each other, and you can't read very far in the New Testament without reading about relationships and how important they are. Uh, but all I'm saying, and I, I think we're agreeing here, I, I think we are, is that uh, if that becomes the point rather than the blessing and a more of a larger spiritual kingdom picture that one day finds fruition in heaven then we actually miss the point of the local church and in many cases uh that's why the local church is smaller because it gets focused on the on the people who are there
0: yeah and I, and I I like to try to remind our people as I can that what they're enjoying so much in their church remember about the people that aren't there yet that are not enjoying that yet, and That's what right. what are we doing to to get them in so that they can enjoy it too? Your second question is: Have you stopped believing it's possible? And Dan, honestly, um, uh, you said uh, you said that s- sometimes leaders uh, believe it's no longer possible for the church to grow again, and that deep down on the inside they, they may have given up. and And I think for our listeners, there may be pastors out there who just feel like, you know, the church isn't going to grow. It's, it's not going to grow. It's not going to grow in numbers. It's not going to grow in depth. It's not going to grow in service. And honestly, over the course of 11 years in my church, uh, I, have heard, I have seen that person, that, that fear personified, walking up my front walk and knocking on my door. And I don't want to open that front door and let it in because it's there. It's kind of at the door, and I kind of have to hold it at bay.
1: It's something I think all pastors experience, all church leaders, whether it's a, a, a short season. Sometimes, unfortunately, it can be a longer season. Uh, I believe that one of the top tactics of the enemy to get after a church leader, a pastor, is is discouragement. Mm-hmm. And, and so if the enemy can get a, a pastor discouraged simply by no longer believing, it will work. I mean, they're tired but the small church church pastor many times alone there isn't a staff i mean there may be great friends and people on the board but when he puts his head on the pillow at night it's that's it it's him and and so uh i i want to i want to be an encourager and and just say here that it's it's just critical for uh, you to believe that your church can grow and and because it's just too common and and i want I want to just go on record and say it's a lie of the enemy that your church can't grow, yeah, God is with you, it can grow to all, everyone who who is listening and i I'd love to tell a, a story here if, if it's all right about our sure. our, yep. our about our senior pastor Kevin Myers, mm-hmm. who planted twelve stone then called crossroads twenty seven years ago and um, in the early days, as he tells the story, the church struggled and struggled and struggled, and for years. Never got past 57 people. They used to call it the Heinz 57 Church. And they, it just, <laughs> it just no, nothing they would ever do did oh, it ever get past 57. Hey,
0: Dan, the church just couldn't catch up. Could no. it? Oh,
1: but I am. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I remember as he tells the story that, that he literally came to a time where he lost faith. He was struggling. The church wasn't growing. He was working so hard, he didn't believe it would work. And he just said, I quit. I quit. This isn't going to work. I'm done. And so he called uh, a friend of his up in Michigan. His name is Wayne. Actually, the church that he came down to Atlanta from up in Michigan. And he, and he said to Wayne, he said, Wayne, I, I, I've, I've lost faith. I don't believe the church is going to grow. It doesn't, it doesn't work. It's broke. I'm broke. I don't, I don't, I don't know how this is. He yeah. said, I quit. I quit. I've lost faith. And Wayne said in that moment, he said, Kevin, if you've lost faith, I want you to borrow mine, because this is possible. God can do this, hmm. but you, you've got to believe. And why don't you lean into my belief for a while until you get back on your feet, spiritually speaking? And Kevin said, kind of paused and said, all right, I will. I'll give it one more go. And today, of course, 12 Stone is just thriving, and God is blessing, and thousands attending, and sizes, and it's, that's not the point. I'm just saying that God God believes that it's God's intent for your church to grow up. Now, here's a little caveat. We don't get to decide how big our church becomes. That's up to God. But God intends for every church to grow.
0: And, you know, Dan, it's very similar. I liken that to the podcast that Johnny and I have now been doing for a little over two years. When I started, I had no clue that you would be a part of it. And I had no clue that guys like Dave Jacobs and Carl Vaders and and so many other people that have joined us over now almost 110 episodes and there were many times when you know i it, this isn't my job it's just something i'm doing but but the passion to encourage small church pastors just kept me going and I, and i would say to pastors you know it, you just have to keep going because That 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 growth, that advancement, that one more person you're going to reach, that that changed life, that saved family or marriage. That's right. It's just around the corner, and you just keep going, and you'll have times when it's a plateau, and then you'll have this upswing, and you gotta you gotta stay through the plateaus so you can get to the upswings.
1: That's right. That's right.
2: Yeah, the the plateaus can be so discouraging as a pastor. And, you know, Jeff, you've been doing this, you know, a lot longer than I have. Um, so a lot you, longer. You've, yeah, exactly. So you've experienced some of these plateaus uh, more than I have. But even even just a couple years in, there's been moments where it's been so discouraging to hit those plateaus, so that's hard. Dan, you know, we're, we're still talking about why smaller churches don't grow. We've talked about the first two reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the third, I guess, reason or question that you're asking— you know, is this the reason or question that you're not asking in your church for why you haven't grown? You say, have you embraced, has your church embraced a shotgun ministry style? Now, now, Dan, uh, I, I'm not a violent man myself, so I don't think we've done this. But... Except
0: against me. <laughs>
2: exactly. So help us understand. What do you mean here? Have we embraced a shotgun ministry style? Johnny, good
1: question. Thanks. Um, I have a lot of passion for this, and, and, I, and I will say this one. Of all of all five questions, this one would would connect a little more with the smaller church than the larger ones. The, the other four go, you know, a larger a larger scope, to both sizes. But what the smaller church, because of it, is so community oriented and so uh, focused on the people and and shepherd kind of a shepherd pastoral feel that uh, they they often 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 go for way too many ministries rather than being a lean. A, a proactive, intentional set of ministries. They they will go to. I, I was re, I was working with one church recently, and it had uh, 102 people average and 54 ministries, and they <laughs> and, and they hadn't grown for years. And I said, Well, of course not. You're you're exhausted. I mean, you you, you know, uh, and and so I, I love the book by by Rayner, Simple Church, and I recommend it highly. Because here's the truth of the matter. No one local church can do every ministry. That's a fact. No, no one ever disagrees with that. So if no one local church can do every ministry there is, that means the next good question is, should we be random or intentional about the ones we actually do? Yeah. Well, I, every, Then I think we should be intentional. And so that we believe there's a divine thumbprint for every local church, the ministries you should and shouldn't do. So we ought to be on our knees to pick the ones we should do and not be talked into it or pressured into doing a whole list of ministries that really just spins us in surfaceness and gets us exhausted. So I, I know I get a little preachy on this one, so forgive me, but I, I have so much passion to try to help smaller churches pare down their ministry choices to the smallest list possible, do them really well before they ever think about adding more things on the list.
0: You know, and I think we continue to work toward that. That's not, I don't think that's something that we ever arrive at. And I I don't know, maybe in my limited experience, uh, some people do arrive at that, but you get to the point where you feel like you've pared it down enough and you're doing what you're doing really well. Uh, but I think for most of us, uh, be encouraged that that's just something you keep working toward. Uh, it's hard to close a ministry that others may have passion for. That's right. Uh, and that just is, takes some time and some some care and tender, loving care, I think, sometimes, and uh, courageous decisions, uh, which uh, you talk about. In fact, let's just jump to five based on that. Uh, you said does popularity override good decision-making? And in small churches, do you think that... Do you think that small church pastors have more of a propensity? And this isn't a fight scene here, Dan. This is just an honest <laughs> question. Do you think that maybe pastors in small churches have more of a propensity to want to be liked than maybe some larger church pastors who decided some time ago to not so much worry about that?
1: I, I think there, that possibility is there. And I agree, this isn't a, a fight scene. It it's, it's, it's really it comes out of the heart and the goodness of the pastor inside the environment that makes that so real you're you're known by everyone they all know you and then there are some pastors who truly do have a desire to be liked and that can get to an unhealthy place it's not always unhealthy but it can get there and and so when that popularity or desire to please other people or desire to be liked can get to a place where it can actually impact decision making and impact leadership, impact on what you preach. Maybe you pull back on a tough verse kind of thing where the smaller church is crying out for one bold move, one, one bold decision. I I've often get to talk about one thing I, I believe strongly, that most churches are one tough call away from a breakthrough. Hmm. And, and most of the time with the guys I get to talk to, they already know what that tough call is. They just don't want to make it. Yeah.
0: I, I've been in this long enough to have been there and done that in, in both ways. Uh, not made the call, and I have made the call. And I'll tell you, it's a whole lot better when you make the call. <laughs> it's, it be- is. It's better it in the short term and in the long term.
1: It really is. Uh, and and even, even the people who will kind of come alongside and love on you and agree with you, secretly they're wanting you to be bold and courageous and make the call. And when you do, their respect for you rises up.
0: So Dan, these five questions I just want to review them quickly. Has friendship outpaced focused? Have you stopped believing it's possible? Have you embraced a shotgun ministry style? And we didn't really deal with this one much. Is there a lack of courageous teaching? and then does popularity override good decision-making?
2: You know, I, I would really challenge our listeners. Dan, you always come on and you have such great content for us. You have so much helpful stuff. You're just you're one of my favorite guests. Time and time again, you bring us great content. And and I would just challenge our listeners, take these five questions and sit down with a friend, another small church pastor, maybe your spouse. Sit down with somebody and walk through these questions with them and be on, and have them be honest with you. Hey, is our church like this? Is this what our church is doing. Let's talk about these five questions, and we'll make these five questions available for, to you. You go to the blog uh, for this podcast, and you can find uh, you you can find those questions, links, or whatever it ends up being. It's episode one hundred and nine, and you can find these questions. You can find the link to these questions, how, however it gets laid out. You'll be able to find it for podcast episode one hundred and nine. But but Dan. Do you have an example, somebody maybe in mind that you've coached, that you've walked through these questions with and seen, hey, it does, it, it makes a difference. And it actually, like, these questions are good questions and they can lead to a change in a church.
1: John, I, sh- I sure do. Um, uh, I've got a, lo- a lot of friends who pastor a small church and, and they, I-, I see them dive in and j- particularly actually number five. Uh, we had we had a group a group in that we've coached and mentored for a couple of years and challenged them on that tough call principle, and several of them uh, knew what it was, went back, made the call, and actually saw significant dramatic change in their local church. So yes, do see them, do know them. It is possible, and God is doing breakthroughs in many, many, many churches.
2: That's awesome to hear, Dan. And and it's you know for me as a listener, and for for our listeners out there you know, it's great for us to hear that, yeah, these questions do make a difference. And, and yeah, we can have breakthroughs. So often, I think, in 200 churches, we, we give up sometimes a little bit. We let the enemy speak to us, like you were talking about earlier. And so I'm so thankful that you came on here today and, and were able to talk with us and to take us through that. And, you know, thanks for sharing that story right there at the end of, of how these questions have made a difference. Well, Dan, thank you for joining us again, and we look forward to having
0: you on next month.
2: Yeah, Dan, thank you so much, and and yeah, next month. Can't wait. I look forward to it. So again, a link to the blog post that produced the material
0: for this episode will be at our website for for episode 109, which is dated February 18th, 2015. 2015? Oh, the, the, the years are going so fast, I can't even... Oh my god. Say them. Don't quickly. even start. Okay, so February eighteenth, twenty fifteen. Uh all the all the links and stuff are there. But we want to talk as we finish today, we want to talk about Dan's book, Amplified Leadership. Yeah. Because if this book if there's any book written for small church pastors, this is the book. This has got the, the meat, but it's also scalable to any size church. And uh amplified leadership means That your leadership is amplified when you put it into somebody else who in turn takes that information, that growing, that growth, and puts it into yet another person and amplifies your leadership.
2: It's basically like a step-by-step guide. Of how to turn somebody in your church into a leader, and it's and it's for a church.
0: It's not for a business. No, this isn't one of those leadership books that's kind of a crossover. You know, this is what I love about
2: Dan. Either one, it's his, local church base. His heart is in the church, and even in our conversation today, he said, "Well, you know, I love the church," and right. and he does. I mean, Dan is Dan is a pastor at his heart. He's just wicked smart. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. He's a, he's a leadership guru with a pastor's heart, and so. Amplified leadership, I would encourage, if you haven't been listening for very long, you got to dig in the archives a little bit to find them. Go to our partners page at 200churches.com. The first five podcasts we ever did with Dan Ryland, we walk through his book. It's basically five parts, and so we walk through those parts. And if you get the book and you listen to that podcast, I mean, you're going to be... Light years ahead, and it's, I'm dead serious because Dan opens up his brain in those five podcasts. It was an incredible, it was an incredible honor to be able to actually sit and have that conversation with him.
0: And it's a great book to do uh, a study with, uh, with other pastors. Yeah, through, uh, two or three other pastors, just a small group, just a handful of pastors getting together once a month and talking through those different sections. That would be really, really helpful. I mean, better, better than a college course. Really yeah. in local church leadership when you get other pastors who are also committed and, and in it to actually mine some of the principles out of that book.
2: Yeah, so Amplified Leadership is the book, and, and again, I would encourage you to get the book and then listen to those podcasts while you're going through the book. I mean, it really is going to be a huge benefit to you. And we, you know, Jeff, you say it in the in the conversation we had with them today, You know, we never thought we'd be talking to Dan Ryland on the 200 Churches podcast. Right, right. (laughs) you shot him a direct message on Twitter, I don't think either of us thought he's for sure going to say yes. He's going to be super into this, but he has just been great, and he always makes time for us, and he's busy, and so that speaks volumes about him. And so, Dan, thank you so much uh, for having these conversations with us, because it, it is reaching pastors, and it's making a huge difference. I really believe that. It's making a huge difference in the lives of small church pastors.
0: Now, some almost a year ago now, we had a guy named John Lynch on our podcast. John Lynch is one of the co-authors of the book called The Cure. Next week, we're having one of the other co-authors, Bill Thrall, of The Cure. If you want to check out Bill ahead of next week, you can go on YouTube and just, just put in The Cure and put in Thrall. It's like thrash, only it's not. It's thrall,
1: sure. <laughs> T h
0: r a l l. Yeah, it's like thr, and then the word all. Thrall, thrall. So spelled exactly
2: like it sounds. And we are th- a is what th- we're trying we are to tell thrall you.
0: thrall to have Bill on the podcast. You're next killing week. me with the puns,
2: man. I'm so sorry. You're I'm an old guy. Old guys like puns. I guess so. So
0: so Bill Thrall is Bill Thrall is really like the senior wise man of that, that whole group down there in Arizona. and um, They're all senior to me. They're all senior, yeah. We'll have links next week. I, <laughs> I can't tell you even the name. Open Door Something Church. Open
2: Door Fellowship Church. But Bill is,
0: this guy's awesome. This guy, is, this guy drips wisdom. Can't Ooh. wait to talk to him. We're going to talk to him later this week. I'm excited. He's going to be the guy for next week. So we hope that we'll see you next week on the 200 Churches Podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and inspired by this episode of the 200 Churches podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe at 200churches.com and receive the guy's free PDF download called Our 7 Favorite Ministry Resources. You can count on us to be back next Wednesday with another brand new, shiny episode just for you. Until then, may God bless you as you lead
1: and love the people in your 200 church.